Hello, it's Natalia Lloyd and welcome to my podcast, Beehive Household. As part of my interior design business, my first chat with my clients is a deep dive into their lifestyle and daily routines to be able to understand how they use their homes. And this is where the idea for this podcast came from. So subscribe and listen to find out about the daily routines of my extraordinary guests, their mindset, their choice of interiors, but most importantly, how their life at home sustains their success and much, much more. Welcome everyone to the Beehive Household podcast for this special bonus episode, because yes, today I'm joined by one of the world's leading speakers and coaches who has inspired and keeps motivating hundreds of thousands of people all over the world. So my special guest today is Pete Cohen. So Pete works as a peak performance coach with some of the world's top athletes, including Sally Gunnell, Dame Ellen MacArthur, Ronnie O'Sullivan, and the West Ham and Arsenal football clubs. So along with sporting stars, Pete coaches business leaders, executives, and corporate teams to achieve their best, to be more resilient, and have improved mental well-being. Pete Cohen has also authored 19 books. Is that right, Pete? 19 now, but they keep coming. Uh, it's, now, it's now 20. It's me. now 20. I was coming out in August. So yeah. I was wondering if I have the most updated information. So 20 books, several of which have been bestsellers across the world, including Shut the Duck Up, I love how it sounds. You just, this yeah. is a special way of pronouncing. It's like shut the duck up, <laughs> have it busting, life DIY, sort your life out and others and, and many other books. So Peter also presented his own show on TV called The Coach on Discovery and was the resilient life coach on GMTV for 12 years. He specializes in taking self-help and personal development to the masses in a way that is easy for people to understand and apply. And I could not have a better guest to address all these questions and to try to get solutions for the pain points many of us are facing when it comes to the subject of living your best life in times of uncertainty. So I bet we will talk about comfort zone at some point today and Pete's suggestions to stream the recording of this podcast to Clubhouse as well, yep. is certainly taking me out of my comfort zone, as I mentioned. So I wanted to welcome Clubhouse listeners and um, yeah, that get to enjoy this interview live. And of course, my warmest welcome to Pete Cohen. Thank you. Well, it's, it's great that we're doing this on Clubhouse because that's how we met, first and foremost. And right. secondly, if, it, if it's you know out of your comfort zone, then I think you know probably better than most that that's where the great things happen. I think the challenge we have in this podcast is that I want to ask you questions because I know a little about your story and your story really fascinates me about how you, you are who you are today. You know, your background is very interesting to me. It's like, it's like the background of my great grandparents who came to England from mm. Lithuania in 1890, you know, and I, yeah. but, you know, maybe we'll save that for when you're a guest on my maybe. podcast. You have but to suffer me through it. I do ask you a few <laughs> questions because I can't help myself, but I'll do my best to be a good guest. But thank you so Absolutely. much. I love what you do. I love who you are, and I love what you bring to the table. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to to explore this with you and see who we can help uh, when this goes out as a podcast. Absolutely, Pete. Thank you so much, and you always bring the best in people by being who you are and being so complimentary to everyone it just lifts the spirits up and you are absolutely incredible human being and I was really really looking forward to have this conversation with you so to start off with the first conversation I thought of a, this Leonardo da Vinci quote one can have no smaller a greater mastery than mastery of oneself where can one start the mastery in your opinion Pete how to find purpose in life because as far as I'm concerned living your best life is living a life of purpose I think it's all about choice at the end of the day isn't it so Leonardo da Vinci is definitely someone who people still talk about him to this day and they probably will talk about him for for the rest of time because he impacted the world ultimately what drove him to do that I really don't know but what I do know through my lifetime is what tends to drive people is 
they recognize that things aren't good. They recognize there's a problem and they are compelled to stop the problem. Well, what's really interesting about Leonardo da Vinci is that he probably did see problems and thought, I can make it better. He then saw something better as a result of what was going on. And I think very few people do that. I think what drives human behavior is pain, you know, a, a breakup, a disaster, a diagnosis, a prognosis. Something happens that forces people into a position where they fundamentally shift from where they were to another place. But what's fascinating is that when people get to a place where they're comfortable, they tend to revert back to what they were doing before. So it, ultimately, it's a choice. But, you know, Napoleon Hill in Think and Grow Rich, uh, which that was published in 1937, and he was heavily influenced by people like Leonardo da Vinci. He reckoned from his work of interviewing 500 people that he reckoned only 2% of people were driven by a compelling vision of not just what they needed to do, but who they needed to become. So I think in answer to your question, it's really a choice, mm -hmm. you know, and that's the difference, isn't it? That separates us from all the other animals, everything in nature. They don't, they don't have the consciousness, I don't think they do, that we have to fundamentally make a choice. Where do you want to go? So yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And now, as, as you know, with what's going on in the world, I think many of us are being forced into positions where we have to make Cho different choices, but That's regardless right. of the situation, we still have we still have a choice. That's right, and it's interesting how you mentioned you made those steps, you made the change, you you've been driven to get your vision into your life, and then mm. you go revert back to the comfort zone. Why does why does one do it? Because ultimately, is it too stressful to be in that high achiever phase? What actually drives the sliding back into the comfort zone it's such a it, honestly it's such a great question and i and i promise you i think about that a lot you know you know i think there's i had a coach for years who always encouraged me to not look at things as just black and white left and right because that's like you know that's only two ways he always encouraged me to look at things from multiple perspectives like the perspective of space and if anyone knows anything about space is you you know in a room there's there's different spaces he would say there's front, there's back, there's left, there's right, there's up, there's down, and there's you. So with any big challenge or in any situation, look at it from numerous perspectives. Don't think that you're right. And um, you have that curiosity. So curiosity is a massive key for me that needs to be practiced. So the curiosity of why, in answer to your question, I think one is that if you are in an environment where people are not thinking that way and are constantly wanting to evolve, then once you get over the disaster, you will revert back. So I used to play this crazy game, which you've probably heard of. It's called cricket. Mm -hmm. That's where I ruptured my Achilles tendon a few weeks ago. Um, I, but I used to play cricket with lots of people. One person, he was a fantastic guy, fantastic cricketer, lovely guy, but his eating habits were terrible. His, his, his drinking, eating... So guess what happened after years and years and years of doing that? Downhill. And I think you don't realize you're going downhill because you don't realize the little things that you do every day that you don't see the impact. But over time, it's, it's accumulation. So he got diagnosed with diabetes. It was bad. He got told, you need to take this drug. Um, and he took the drug. He took action. And then I saw him again the following year. Natalia, I did not recognize him. I thought, who is this person? Is that you? It was him. He changed. But you know what happened? When I saw him the following year, he put all of the weight back on again. Right. Why? I think a lot of it was to do with environment. And the pain that he felt subsided. So if you're not in pain, and then once you're out of pain, then, then you want comfort. But for mm -hmm. you and me, we're not, it's not about pain. It's about the inspiration that drives us forwards because there's something that we have to do. It's not about pain. I don't think there's anything wrong with pain. It's just visualizing something better than the current set of circumstances. So pain and obstacles, they don't matter to us because there's something that we have to do. And that's, again, it's not something we're encouraged to do as a society. We're not encouraged to talk about what we're going to do, the mark that we're going to have. And you forgive me for talking so much on this, but I'm concerned that if I don't say this, I might forget. It's important. So I, 
Yeah. And, and, you know, we think about people who have influenced our lives, right? So has Martin Luther King influenced our lives? He's influenced my life. I never met him. But recently I watched a documentary. I watched it twice because it was so meaningful and so impactful. And he talks about, I have a dream. Well, what was his dream? It was a dream of a promised land. What was the promised land? The promised land wasn't heaven mm-hmm. or heaven on earth. The, the promised land was people living in equality with each other. And he was like, hang on a second. There's no equality here. You know, the, the American law, the law of independence, you know, that was formed in, I think, 1865, 100 years on, which was supposed to be life, liberty, and freedom. He's like, well, hang on a second. There's segregation. There's, there's definitely racism. This isn't right. But it was only because he could see something that was better than the current set of circumstances that he went through what he went through. What did he go through? Death threats, going to jail, being beaten up, being attacked, seeing his family being attacked. But, and I'm not saying everyone needs to have that, but unless mm. you have that, some sort of vision of something, then you might as well just, just settle for what you have. And if you want to settle, I think when people settle, I think that we, deep, we know deep down there's a part of us that's dying because I think we need to grow. We need to contribute. We need, you think about what's the greatest human emotion. Is it watch something great on Netflix or eating a pipe of Pringles? It might be nice, but what's the greatest feeling and emotion that a human being can experience? Is it not when we do something for another person? Is it not when we do something that we didn't want to do, but we felt so much better for having done it? So look, yeah. I could talk about this till the cows come home, but I don't know where the cows are. I'm not sure if they are coming home. <laughs> I've listened to your podcast um, with um, Martin Luther King, and it's powerful. It's, it's the right direction, and it certainly sheds the light on the issue that we've recently had with football yes. and racism and everything that happened then. And what got me thinking that... Obviously, Martin Luther King, he chose to sacrifice his life for the bigger purpose. And I don't know where he was coming from. Did he have nothing to lose? Yeah, you know, I mean, again, so yeah, sorry, go on, carry on. It, it, it just got, got me thinking with the, it's inspirational. I think everyone, whether obviously or deep inside, wants to leave their mark on this planet, on this earth just like you saying, to leave the earth in a better place than what it was where we came to this planet. But not everyone is ready to, to sacrifice their life through it. And I don't think it has to come to it, if you know what I mean. So I wonder what was yes. driving him, whether he was coming from the space of, I have nothing to lose, I might just as well sacrifice myself. Because when you have people that you care about, like people that care about you, it's a very difficult step to make, if you know what I mean. So you need to combine the real life experiences you know and relationships and to find your own way without needing to live the life of um assassination threats and ultimately he eventually has been killed and as far as i'm concerned there is a conspiracy theory even about that who actually killed him whether it was that guy i think his family after these days actually claiming that that guy wasn't actually the assassinator there was um government fbi fbi conspiracy there's some sort of theory of course, there, there's but... always going to be some sort of theory. Yeah. Right? There's always going to be an there's always going to be an alternative point of view. But yeah. you know, ultimately, very few people are prepared to make that sacrifice. You know, but that was his choice. But I suppose if we're all a part, this is such an interesting conversation, and it kind of opens up so many doors. And what you're saying for me, it's like where the hell do I go with this? Because there's so much. But I suppose the thing that really gets me about all of that is that he wanted, he chose love, right? That was the thing that he chose. He chose love, love first. Right. Right. Love. And when you choose love, yeah, like a service and love. And he said that if he's not free, someone else isn't free. You know, if someone else isn't free, you're not free. Mm -hmm. And that kind of every problem is everyone's problem. And having that mindset of, and that's, it'll probably never happen. Mm-hmm. But is it worth fighting for? You know, for someone to say, hang on, this isn't right, to stand up for the rights of others. And that's why, in a strange way, I'm pleased that England didn't win and beat Italy because it brought something to the surface that needs to be addressed. And for people to think it's being addressed, it's not. Well, it is, but could it be addressed more? There's always something more that we can do. And, uh, you know, Natalia, I, I came across something a few years ago that I didn't know anything about. Yeah, it's so obvious. So uh, there was a guy who won the Nobel Prize in 1937, 
who's a Hungarian guy, and his theory was something called syntropy. And all syntropy, what it means is that every living cell lives for one reason. It lives to grow and express itself fully. That's why it lives. And what if that was true, that every cell, everything that grows, it, it lives, it has the potentiality to express itself fully. Now, I think that's true. I want to express myself fully, but I know that there's a part of me that doesn't want that. Mm. That's the duck on my head. You know, um, it's the part of me that just wants me to survive. It doesn't want me to evolve. Why evolve? Just survive. And we have, you know, a two million year old brain in a living in a body now that most of us are fortunate enough that we don't have to survive. We can thrive. So the resistance to thriving, it can be external. People saying, you know, why are you doing that? What, what's, what's, what's wrong with us? Why do you want to change? That's a big issue for people. But the internal state of your relationship that you have with yourself, your narrative, what you say to yourself, if you don't address that, you going back to the first thing that you said, the awareness is the first step. The awareness of the experience of being you. Why I love what you do because you're working on people's ex in, uh, external world to bring about an effect internally. And there's no, there's no question when you get your environment that you live in, in a way that is nourishing to you, it's a better place to live. And that's mm. what you've dedicated your life to doing. It's obvious, right? I've yeah. dedicated my, I've, I actually wrote a book called Life DIY, which is about mm. well, how do you DIY yourself? How do you internally change? Where the first step is you've got to be aware of what have you got to play with? <laughs> And yeah. the trauma, because trauma is a big thing for people. If you don't address trauma, then it, it tends to rise up and always kind of, you know, get in the way. Uh, most of us have experienced trauma in our life. Um, if, if, we, if we can't make sense of it, if we can't reframe trauma, then it tends to be in our future. Right. So let's, let's talk about the first step. So what I want to bring to the listeners is actually the tangible steps yeah. and actions that everyone can get inspired and maybe have a go with. Yes. So when we're talking about this first step of self-awareness, how do you get to it? What's the best way of getting to know yourself? Well, first thing, I, I put a big smile on your face, you know, and I would uh, be curious. Okay, so when we talk about practice, what's practice? What do we have to practice? So just a slight aside, but it will make sense to the point that you're making. So when we look at all of the religions in the world and philosophy, um, ancient wisdom, and we look at okay, what, what's everyone in agreement about? What does everyone agree? There's, there's, there's a couple of things. One is definitely love, but the other is uh, virtues, right? So there are certain virtues that they talk about in all, whether it's Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, Islam, Judaism, Christianity, Catholicism. And the virtues, the core ones, definitely courage, definitely being courageous, having the heart to do something. Wisdom is another one. Wisdom of others that have been passed to you, wisdom from your experience, um, curiosity, uh, and temperance, which is self-control. So practicing these things all the time tends to make us better human beings. The practice of virtue. So every day, could you do something courageous? Like you did something courageous today. You didn't Yay. exactly know what, yeah, but you did. I mean, you didn't know what was going to happen. It might not have worked. And that's the challenge. Because if you choose a creative life to create something, it might not work the first time you do it, or the second time, or the third time. So the awareness first of practicing certain things, that, that's, that's one thing. That's not really a, something that you could, you know, step one, step two, step three. Mm -hmm. If you want to look at some specifics, then let's look at this. What do we all have in common? We all have a mind. What does the mind do? Well, this is what my coach said to me many years ago. He asked me that question. What's the purpose of the mind? And I gave him an answer based on my study of psychology. And he laughed at me. He said, that's not the nature of your mind. The nature of your mind is your mind plays tricks on you. Mm -hmm. You know, how many times you want to go to sleep at night and your mind's playing a trick on you? It's going, did I leave the gas on? Um, was that no What's that noise? Or you know that your friend has gone out with someone and you're worried about them. And you're thinking about them. It's not happening in reality, or as Einstein said, reality exists in here. So you are creating, you are creating that reality. You're creating the uh, the emotions and the feelings associated to those thoughts. So how do you conquer your mind? Well, this is what he said to me. He said, "Find humor in what you think." Okay. If Love you it. can't find humor in what you think, 
this is what he said, and I'm not saying this is right for everybody. If you can't find humor in what you think, then you will be a victim of what you're thinking. And, and victimization, I think, is, I think, you have a thought like, I can't do this. I'm not good enough. Okay, so what happens with that thought? That thought produces emotion. All emotions are chemicals. That's what they are. Those chemicals produce feelings in the body. So you'll then have the feeling that's associated with that thought, which then convinces you you are right for having that thought. So then you have another thought in association with that feeling, and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. If you can't be aware of it, that's why when you see pictures of Buddha or statues, Buddha is smiling. And let's, let's be honest, humor is not practiced enough, you know? just to be able to see the funny side of yourself. Otherwise, if you want to take it seriously, and I think for some people, maybe they need to, especially if you've experienced trauma in your life, mm -hmm. but that would be my, the first step is to not take yourself too seriously, to realize you are more than what you think. And you're definitely more than what you feel because what you feel is a, it's a choice. But if you're living in a world where you're not allowing yourself to become aware. If you're, if you're constantly feeding your brain with information and you're never switching off, then it's hard to be aware. Mm. Well, here I'm thinking of the next question that maybe um, a few listeners are thinking about as well. When you talk about the humor and changing the thought, worrying thought and fearful thoughts into something funny for yourself equally, I think there's a lot of obstacles coming from the point of us being social human beings, the fear of being criticized, fear of being judged. Judge. So when you're making something look or seem funny, you don't want to be, ha ha, you funny, you know, kind of in a bullish way. You want to be laughed with rather than at. So that those the, yes. the fear of other people's passing their opinions on you. I think this is really big one that restricting a lot of people from living their best lives, from expressing themselves the way they want to because they're worried about other people's opinions. What's your take on that? No, it's, it's Again, it's such a big subject, right? Because we are social creatures and we live and thrive in groups. So actually rejection is an emotion which physically hurts. Have you ever felt rejection in your life? Oh, 100%. You know, 100%, right? Someone doesn't like you, they dump you, whatever it is, and that hurts. So we want to avoid it because it hurts. But the reason it hurts is because when we lived in, you know, groups living in caves or wherever we were living, if you felt rejection, you better wake up because if you were rejected, you are not going to survive on your own. So you're right. So much of what we do is we want to be accepted to avoid, avoid rejection. So yeah, you're right. Um, I suppose if you are going to find humor in what you're thinking, no one necessarily needs to know that you're doing it, you know? <laughs> Um, but, but let's talk about, you know, the generational thing, you know, your background, your parents came from a communist country, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about, I mean, communist, one of the things that Martin Luther King talked about, he talked about, look, America is not a communist country, but you can understand if you came from that sort of background, thinking and choosing love and, and thinking that way is not something that is kind of, I don't know what you would say, but it's not something that's encouraged, you know, laughter was not encouraged, right? So you can understand if you haven't been shown that way, it's very hard to live that way. Um, uh, but I'm, I don't know about you, Natalia, I was lucky that laughing, I remember getting in trouble for laughing at five years old. And wow. I have to tell you, and I remember my wife, when my wife was, listen, she's just, my wife is upstairs, right? So my wife was given 18 months to live. 10 years ago, right? She was diagnosed with a very aggressive uh, brain tumor. And we weren't married at the time. We'd been seeing each other for a year. I liked her, but I never thought I was going to marry her. I, I never thought that was going to happen. Right. But I had to step up in that time because there was no one else who could help her in the way that I could. I, I'm, I'm like you. I, there's nothing going to stop me from finding a cure for her cancer, which we did. I found it. It wasn't straightforward. Not doing anything wasn't an option. But the reason I tell you this is that I fell in love with her because of how she dealt with it. And the main way we dealt with it was humor. You know, laughing at inappropriate times, 
you know, that kind of, I think some people think that to laugh at things or to find the funny side of things is childish. And that's not, you know, we, we shouldn't be childish. I think we should be childlike, maybe not childish. Childlike is being open to possibilities, mm-hmm. open to the future, open to being a nice, kind person. But again, society doesn't necessarily encourage us uh, to do that. So mm. I've forgotten what your question was now. But, um, <laughs> no, it's very interesting because um, I've heard your story about um, your journey with your wife's. My wife. Um, yeah, with what you two had to go through. Um, but you you never, I don't think I've ever heard you actually talking about the how the relationship was and that there was a, a things that you, you, you just connected to your child child selves and and we're actually finding trying to find a funny side to something that is very very seriously bad well if you think about it right if the only thing that your listeners took away from today just the only thing was an awareness of their thoughts that even if they just said i am not my thoughts i am more than my thoughts even just that to the point where you start to become more aware. And sometimes becoming aware for some people is a bit challenging because they become aware of something that they weren't aware of. And they realize how often destructive their thoughts can be, Mm -hmm. right? You want to change your external world, change your internal world. You know, um, I mean, people have been saying this for centuries, but it's it's a challenge, isn't it, to face yourself and face the relationship you have with yourself. And to recognize that it's not always a great place to be, but right. it could be. It could be, especially if you have something to maybe fight for. I don't know whether you've, you know, the Matthew McGonaghy in his Oscar winning speech in 2014, where he talks about who his hero is. Yeah. And he yeah. says, my hero is who I'm chasing. My hero is me in 10 years' time. And then someone said, you know, after he said that the first time, are you, you know, have you done it? He goes, not even close. You know, yes. so we're always aspiring for something more. And I know some people think that isn't healthy. I, I think it's look, it doesn't, it could not be if you're obsessed about the future. I'm obsessed about it, but then I'm more obsessed about what I have to do in this moment to create that future. What I'm into about, reinvention. Yeah. Sorry. And and you're you know, there's a lot of things in your teaching about building better relationship with your future self now how about you know the theory and the the big thing of living now today not for the sake of maybe greater future but actually experiencing the moment living through the moment now is there a danger of being that chasing human being all the time and never almost fulfilling yourself or finding that final happiness because there's always better things there's there's always something that there's at no point maybe if five years back I looked at myself now and I would have been okay I'm happy I'm happy with what I've achieved I'm happy where I am mentally physically but for me now I do not feel that way there's a there's a chase so how about actually appreciating Mm. things can we talk about that Mm, a little bit no, of course. And again, you know, I think there's only one way in life and that's your way. You know, I really do believe that. And I think sometimes I'm guilty of telling everyone what they should, you know, not telling everyone because I, 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 I hate to be told. I think there's a rebel. <laughs> I think there's a rebel in me. You know, someone tells me what to do. I think, well, who the hell are you to tell me? And it's the same with advice. You know, I know best. I shouldn't give it advice. <laughs> I know best. What are you telling me for? It's like, you know, um, but I think what, what I've observed is that everything we do is goal-orientated. Everything. We, the Greeks called it teleological. And, you know, you, you and I are big fans of, you know, Ronnie O'Sullivan, uh, the six-time snooker world champion, you yeah. know, very interesting life, what, you know, what he's been through. And I wanted to, um, well, I worked with him for two years of my life. And he was obsessed with winning to the point where he hated losing. So, what what we worked on with him was really around wanting to win so much that you forget about winning and you just focus on what you're doing. I interviewed a guy who's a fascinating uh, entrepreneur. He has a sushi, he's Japanese, he has a sushi company in India. He worked for Richard Branson. 
He worked for the founder of uh, Dyson, James Dyson. Mm-hmm. And um, we were talking about this subject. And he says, you know, in Japan, we're less interested in the outcome. We're more interested in the process. And I, I kind of get that. But how many people would go to a football match and watch a game if there were no goals? But maybe this is the problem. Enjoy yeah, the game and the process. Yeah, and maybe m- then m- there m- would be less frustration and actually appreciation, you know, taking to the recent football experience. Maybe that would be much more enjoyable. Actually, everyone would be celebrating the, the heroes rather than criticizing and not getting the win. Well, it would be interesting, wouldn't it? A world where everyone's just happy exactly where they are and no one is striving towards anything. I mean, <laughs> I, I, it would be an interesting thing to consider. I just think that human beings, we love to create. You know, it seems like human beings are at their best when they are making something, like a happy person. You go to their house, what are they doing? They've got some sort of project, something they're, they're making. And then I think there's another level to that where people have like what I might call a quest, like a Martin Luther King, you know, like a Mahatma Gandhi, like a Mother Teresa. This is a quest. This is my my purpose in life. This is something I have to do. And I'm prepared to pay the price to make that happen. And the last thing I'll say on that is that if that's something you want to do, then surely there's got to be some pain. Surely there's got to be a to make the thing grow. I look at everything that grows and I think, okay, those trees out there, what have they had to endure over the last 12 months? Wind, uh, sun, rain, I don't know what else. You know, mm-hmm. animals, bugs, but they're still growing. You know, what about us? So I think there's a real danger of being obsessed about the future that you're never actually where you, you know, you're never in the moment. And I've, I've definitely been guilty of that, but I was more running from the past than running towards the future. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm, I'm much more into the future. I've kind of gotten over my past. Um, Interesting. But I think the future is now. I think the future is right now. You know, for me, what we're doing here, this I'm in this moment. I'm not thinking about anything happening later on. We're talking about the future, but I'm very, very present right. with you right now. And that's the where the magic starts to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, got it, got it. And I've actually um, been thinking about this question. This is actually a good question, I think, for many coaches. So you, Pete, obviously been doing it for years and years you you've got this very high iq eq and you you think about a lot of things you when you get the information you analyze it i think it's almost a habit of analyzing it from different psychological perspectives from your teachings your learnings what's your life like how do you go through the through the day you know receiving all those different emotions interacting with different type of people do you tend to analyze over analyze things as a coach as an expert or do you actually get to block that yeah. side out of yourself how does how do you do how do you cope <laughs> I, I, I'm, i'm obsessed with i used to really overthink now i'd love to just kind of get a sense of things so that when you listen you pick things up from what people are saying And like I said, I, I was hypnotized as a child. As my dad said, it's not what you know, it's who you know. So when I meet someone, I think I've got to, I've got to get to know you. In, in, a, in a beautiful way, I've got to get to know Natalia. Got to mm-hmm. know. And when I heard a bit of your story, I was like, wow, now I need to get to know you even more. Look what you've been through. Look what you're doing. Wow, I need to tell everyone about Natalia. <laughs> you know? And I, I don't know. I'm, it's, it's, if you said to me, what's my purpose in life? I think that is a huge part of it. Connect people, make connections, make things better. Um, so how much of that am I analyzing? I think less so. It's more just out of what gut happens. Gut feeling? When, yeah, yeah. Intuition? A, a gut feeling. Intuition, yeah. I mean, it's hard to say what these things are, but it's a sense of things. Um, and Clubhouse has been, that's why I love Clubhouse. That's why I love podcasting. Because I think when you listen you have to pay more attention when you're watching and listening it i think something amazing happens when you're just listening and listening to yourself listening to others what a beautiful thing to do to hold a space for other people for other people that's another thing i love to do help people make sense of what is going on love so it. let's face it Natalia, we live in a mad world yeah this world is mental tell me about it Mm. I, I just think that people need to talk. 
how cathartic is it for people to talk? And that's therapy for me. Therapy is definitely talking, but therapy now has become more and more than ever taking the time, shutting the duck up in my own head, and just listening. That's right. That's right. We talked about the environment. And obviously, at the moment, it's a very uncertain environment. And the subject of this podcast, of this room, living your best life in times of uncertainty. And from one side, life's most precious gift is uncertainty. So why does it cause so much suffering for human minds? How to thrive in it? So, you know, you're right. We, we find ourselves in a time that none of us really asked for. And it's the first time probably in the history of humanity where everyone has been aware of the same thing with the virus and how that's affected. And it is strange, this, this irony of uncertainty, because we want uncertainty, but we also want certainty. Mm -hmm. And Tony Robbins has done one of the most popular TED Talks in history. It's called Why We Do What We Do. And he talks about the six human needs. So the first need is the need for certainty. Every day you want to wake up and have some sort of certainty that, okay, I'm alive, certainty that you can do what you need to do, but you don't want total certainty. How boring would that be? If I could show someone a book of their life and say, this is your future, this is when you'll go to the toilet, this is when you're going to die, how many people would go, I don't want to read that? Some people, <laughs> some people would, but I wouldn't. I don't want to get that away from me. So right. the irony of certainty, uncertainty, and then the challenge around what he talks about is the, the third and the fourth is connection, significance, and love, that we want these four things, but if you don't get them met in a way that is nourishing to you, you'll never get those higher needs met, which he says is growth and contribution. So ultimately, we are in a time of massive uncertainty, but I think we, if we were really, really honest, we always live in a time of uncertainty because anything could happen at any time. But what this has happened, it's brought it much into our focus around, oh, Okay, what's going to happen now? Okay, but what can you do? And this is my challenge to everyone. What do you want to be the legacy of the coronavirus? What do you want? And I think that is where choice comes in. You said mm -hmm. before about leaving the earth in a better place. I learned that from the New Zealand rugby team, who are one of the most successful sporting teams in history. Their philosophy is leave the world in a better place than you came here. Leave your, your world. So in summary to that, I would just say, take a few, take a moment and think, well, what do I want the legacy? Like a lot of people with lockdown, they chose that time to get really fit and healthy. Other people did the exact opposite, but it's still a choice. And while you still can make a choice, that means you're still alive. What choice are you going to make? Probably similar to the choice that you've made before. What choice could you make? Well, my challenge, and now some people, they don't want to hear this, create a new personality. What does that mean? I don't believe personality, um, personality types exist. I think personality traits exist. Mm -hmm. I think your personality is who are you choosing to become? Most of us are choosing to become who we already are, just older, more unhealthy, more, less fulfilled. I think we can make a choice, like Gandhi said, to be the change that we want to see in this world. So what do you think Gandhi meant about that? when you talk about goal setting, because it is, what I love about you, Natalia, is you won't accept anything unless you get a chance to work it out, right? You're, no one's going to tell you what to do, right? Just you like want to find, sorry? I guess just like most people. I don't think it? most people think like that. I think most people allow the, the wall to be pulled over their eyes, but you're someone who's questioning the things that are important. And I love that because I think the more we start doing that, rather than we start accepting the set of circ. How many people do you think feel powerless to what is going on right now? Mm. Some yeah. people are powerless. They don't have any power. They don't have any electricity. Some people right now who are living in South Africa with what's been happening there over the last few, over the last week or so, they're in a situation, but they're still, as Man, Victor Frankl said in Man's Search for Meaning, we still have a choice. What did he say? The purpose of life is to find a goal that is worthy of you, that you would have to strive and struggle to make it happen, through striving and struggling, you'd find your own potentiality. 
you know? So, so pretty philosophical. I love it. You know, you probably figured that out. I love it. And the curiosity of the brain that helps you to make the right choice. And you mentioned that some may not be that curious or questioning the narrative and not trying to change the narrative. What are the steps? Because exactly why I wanted to do this podcast and to speak to you, to serve, to serve those who need that extra push. How to help one to make the choice against the odds, against what their personality traits are? Yeah, great, a great question. So there's probably four, four areas around that. The first is trauma. Now, you might have unresolved trauma in your life. So being able to talk about that and express that is important. But even just the trauma of the last 18 months, I mean, for most people, it's been traumatic. Human beings have this incredible ability to adapt. But what is the cost of the adaptation? People don't talk about that. That's the same with the Black Lives Matter. You know, if you look back into the 1950s, a lot of black people came here. And it was very traumatic, but they were never given the opportunity. Many of them weren't. It wasn't socially acceptable to talk about how you're feeling and how you're thinking. And so I would say that that is a fundamental thing. Talk about how you're feeling so that you can make sense of it. So it maybe doesn't affect you. Talking to us, it doesn't have to be someone you know. It could be a stranger. It could be a coach. It could be a therapist. So that would be um, the first thing. And then the second thing is the narrative. You know, what is the narrative that you're telling yourself? And if we were, for me, that's the duck. You know, the Romans believed that everyone was born with a genius. Mm. That's what they believe. If you look at the, the root meaning, origin of that word, it means the moral authority within every human being. Mm-hmm. They got the idea from the Greeks. The Greeks called it the daimon. Um, and if you, if you don't awaken to the fact, well, who are you feeding the most? Most of us, that genius is quiet. We, we're not listening. We listen to the part of us that wants us to fit in, doesn't want us to get hurt, doesn't want us to get rejected. And if you can put a smile on your face and, then, and start to see what's going on and realize this is what's going on, what can I do about it? Doing that on your own, it's possible. It's a lot easier to do when you're around an environment where other people are kind of making sense of this world that we're in. And like my brother, my brother's a psychotherapist. So he specializes in dealing with people who are experiencing trauma. I'm more about, okay, now you're you're not experiencing trauma. Let's move forwards as a coach. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully that answers part of your question. Absolutely. Love it. So Another big thing, and I posted on the stories in in Instagram another day just to get people to feed in the questions. And there were a lot of questions about procrastination. So the evil procrastination, when we do a million of things that are little or of no importance, but not the ones that are challenging, that get us out of our comfort zone. How not to procrastinate? And we talked a little bit about the choice but how to have that necessity to act because it doesn't come naturally to some. Yes, absolutely. Especially if you're not used to it. So there's a woman called Mel Robbins who many people have heard of. She wrote a book called um, the five second principle. And it's so obvious. It's so easy to do. Um, It's literally, if you feel triggered to do something that you know is for your betterment, the longer you leave it, the less likely you are to do it. So if you think about what gets a rocket in the air, most of the rocket's energy comes from just getting it going. Most people, when they start something, they've started, so they don't stop. An object in motion stays in motion. So she talks about five, four, three, two, one. When you, if I said to you, right, Natalia, you ready? Okay, let's go. Five, four, three, two, one. There's a part of your brain that's going, okay, where? I'm ready, yeah. I'm ready. It, yeah. it, it gets the prefrontal cortex to go, oh. Let's go. If I went, hey, Natalia, let's go. One, two, three, four, five. You're going to go six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> so it's such a simple thing to do. It's such a simple thing not to do. And you can do it to get yourself in the game. Mm. So one of the most famous companies that we all know is Nike. You know, their thing is just do it. I'd say, no, don't just do it. Just start. Just get started. Just get in the game. I remember as a child going to a swimming pool and there was a five-meter board. Five meters is quite high. 
I didn't think Fair it was enough. that high until I got up there and looked over. You can imagine what my duck was saying to me. Oh, this is a bit high. Oh, you could get hurt. And then the longer I left it, the le- I didn't do it. it. Took me months of kept going up there until eventually I just was sick and tired of being sick and tired that I just thought, <laughs> I'm going in. Um, so then, and just think about this. It's so important, I, I think, for us to mention this, that we live in a world now where there's so many opportunities. There's never been more opportunities for us. That's the first thing. The second thing, there's never been more distraction. There's never been more how-to videos. There's never been more podcasts. There's never been more books, right? So that is a distraction. And then Adam and Eve, that story, you know, don't do that. You know, don't give into temptation. Even the Lord's prayer, lead us not into temptation. I don't know if the Lord can do that for you, especially if you don't believe in him. You know, mm. <laughs> who can not lead you into temptation? You can. And pr- practicing delaying gratification is hugely important. That's another virtue, by the way. That's right. But in answer to your question, it, get yourself in the game. Just start. Have a floor. Have a ceiling with exercise. Just get in the game. So I'm going to do two minutes of exercise. And I promise you, once you've done two, chances are you'll do three. You know, five, four, three, two, one, get in the kitchen. Five, four, three, two, one, move away from the cookie jar, you know? So it's a simple thing to do. And a woman's written a book on this and it's so popular and people that practice this, it has changed their life, but it's a practice. That's right. So powerful, isn't it? And you're right in the world of so many opportunities and so many distractions. It's about the narrowing down your you know, even the, the coach, even your influences, even your environment, your friends, and, and just focusing and ex- excelling in those things before you try to excel in too many. I hear so many things. People go through one book to another, just swallowing these audiobooks or reading the books and, and don't have time to actually process things, just moving on just because there's a whole bunch of amazing books out there. And, um, Yeah, it it just becomes overwhelming, and hopefully, it's recorded somewhere in the subconscious. But it's equally important to bring things into your life, to apply the advice into the life, and hopefully, the listeners of this podcast will do exactly that. Will take those little snippets and small action, even if it's going to be one action, but to do it regularly every day on a repetitive basis. So what I would love as a legacy of you and I spending this time together is that people just raise their level of awareness, you know, uh, whether that's putting a smile on your face and realizing that the thoughts are always going to be there. Thoughts, you're never going to stop thinking until you die, right? So what are these thoughts doing to you? Be aware that they're happening to you or they're happening for you or however you want to look at it, but to recognize you don't have to let the thoughts take over. And Dr. Joe Dispenza, who's someone who I who I love, right? I love his work. I know you do too. Yeah. I've met him. I've spent time with him. And I, I watched him in a film years ago called What the Bleep. And I, I didn't understand half of the film, but it impacted <laughs> me in a massive way. And he, I, I, something he said, if you can learn how to think greater than you feel, then the world is your oyster. The, the, the world is yours. But if you don't learn to think greater than you feel, then you'll become a victim of what you're thinking, which results in emotions, which results in feelings. And come on, Natalia, how many people are there in the world right now? They don't feel like doing something. And because they don't feel like doing something, they won't do it. You know, I've written all these books, right? The books don't change people's lives. The words in the, they're just words. But if, if you apply the words, you, they, they, it's not the book. You did it. You know, I told you I created this 30-day program, which mm-hmm. has changed so many people's lives, but the program hasn't. The person has. They've done the work. And we've had over 3,500 people um, get access to it, you know, and it's free. But 5% of people have completed it. I and think I you need to how start charging those... for it. Maybe, maybe but I've actually really, I've, I've really enjoyed it because – when people have got to the end, everyone who gets to the end, I'll talk to them. I'll talk to them on Zoom like I'm talking to you now. 
And mm. some of those people we've ended up working with, some people have gone through the program three, four, five times, which is fantastic. You know, I don't care how people get helped as long as they feel happy, they, they're enjoying their life, they're evolving, they want to help others. And, you know, what, what's interesting is I wonder how many people have gone through the program and after a couple of days, they haven't felt like it, so they didn't do it. And yet, this is so fascinating, there's an ancient Indian Sanskrit word that means hero in the beginning. So think about it. 3,000 years ago, people recognized that people would start things and not finish them. When I heard that, that just literally blew me away because I was thinking, okay, well, what did they start then? What, what were they, they didn't have YouTube, you know, they didn't have Facebook, they didn't have email. What did they have that they could start and not finish? Surely the options were small, but what about now? How many things could we start right now and to stop? So I'm very, and I love what you said, because it reminded me of just the importance for me, this isn't necessarily for everyone, have, have one big goal, one big goal. And my one big goal is to build a super community, a super community, like a super city where just people are, you come together in whatever way you want, you get help, you get support, you get inspired and you get on with your life. And that's my one big goal. What about you? Because I can't wait to interview you because I, I, you're going to be on my podcast. So I will be. I will be. I can't that. wait. I can't wait. But it's going back to my 365. And I think why I said you have to be charging for it, not from the monetization perspective, because it's so much value there. But also yes. another point that, I mean, all that information available for free. There's something in the modern human brain, if you don't pay at least five pounds for the information, you automatically devalue the value, the yeah. devalue the content. And this is why I'm saying that it's it's not so much from the point of entrepreneurship and monetization, the, the tool that you've built, value. which is fantastic. However, it, it's something clicks in... In, in, in our um, capitalist brain, I don't know, when you give a tiny bit... It's a value bit, exchange. It's an exchange it's a value of exchange. And it, it sinks the information in. That's why I, I, I mean, people need to go in and register for it whilst it's free because I think Pete should soon start charging some nominal amount. It, it, it's a series of personal workshops and online yeah. programs to bring out the best in people, inspiring them to be the best they can be every single day. So, in, sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm just, more, I'm, I'm just fascinated. You know, can't keep talking about. That's why things. I love you because you're, you will challenge, and I, that we, I, I love that people need, and I agree. That's what my coach said to me years ago when he was alive. He said, "It's not about the money; it's no. about the exchange of value." And I think, from my, the way I've looked at this is, I'm looking for a certain type of person, right? And if you can get through this program then I'll have a conversation with you. If you can't get through this person, so there's value in me if people are going through this program. However, yep. however, um, I'm just signing up to a, the charity, which is called the B1 Give One Charity, that is an amazing organization because you can pick projects that you want to donate to. And with my next book that's coming out, all of the money that the book is making is going. Uh, we're going to use the B1 Give One Charity so I'm actually going to, on the back of this, I'm going to, with the 30-day program, I'm going to encourage people to donate, you know, whether yeah, they do, whether beautiful. they don't, that's up to them. So thank you for that. Beautiful. And and, and again, so I'll, I'll challenge you slightly on the exchange point for the, for the course. It's about, it, it almost, you will do favor to the users because the moment, this, that's what I'm talking about, the moment you give certain amount of money you listen you take things in you have a better chance to take yes. in the content that your amazing content that you've created to take it in and you then get bigger amount of people coming to the very end and you know it, it, it's something psychological about it and maybe I, some I, will I, disagree I, no no i, I i'm going to contradict um i agree for a certain type of person 100 they will not value it because they've not paid for it but there's a small group of people who will value it even more because it's been gifted to them. But I'm, I, from, I might be wrong from my experience. They are a smaller group of people. It's like, wow, you're giving this to me? In that case, 
I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna lap this up. I'm, I'm, um, I'm probably gonna be one of those people. I'm just gonna pay you. I'm just gonna pay you. This <laughs> 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 I'm because I'm falling clearly into a different group of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and, and uh, you know you, you're not the first person to say that to me. Yeah. But, you know, us having this conversation has brought us closer together, right? Hasn't it? I mean, you yeah. and I now know each other, know each other now in a much more deeper way than we did. We already resonated before, but now we resonate with each other even more. So what we do with this is like, oh, okay, well, I want you on my podcast because I, I want to keep this going. And then who knows what else we might do? And who else can I point people to? You want to, you want to, you want help with your your interior world, your external world, your internal. How do you say that? Because it's the internal, external world that you live in. How do you describe what it is that you do? In terms of interior design? Yes. It calls interior, isn't it? So there should be an element of interior, and this is what I'm focusing on. Whilst it is exterior because it's around us, it's exterior of our physical human body, but it's certainly interior because what I am advocating for that that your immediate surrounding affects how you feel. And certain things around you just get certain feelings, emotions brought out of you. And when home, when our houses, when our homes became so many things to us in the last two years, there's no more, there's no way we can ignore it. It became moving through the space, through our space where we spend significantly more time in now, where we spend the most of our time in now. We want to feel the right way. We want to feel moving through different spaces, through different areas of our house. We want to feel inspired. We want to feel challenged. We want to feel um, that intimacy, the relaxation, the... uh, you know, the, the winding down from the day or the opposite, actually picking yourself yeah. up and being motivated by things and different interiors. This is the visual aspects of human being and human brain that you take in. And it's different to everyone because everybody has got some sort of a hobby or if not a hobby, then an interest that you can surround yourself with. You can express yourself in a very elegant way. And it doesn't have to be opulent. I know I specialize in um, high-end residential interiors, I guess, because there's a more play with it. But it, it's it's the interior that you can create as the home that you can create that evokes the right feelings in you. So for me, it's very much interior, whilst yeah. for majority of people, it's maybe exterior. For me, it just is about the feeling that it makes you feel. It's about the opportunities and the that it gives to your family, to you, if if you haven't got the family that you live with, to if, if someone lives by themselves. But again, it's how you how it makes you feel. Does it make you feel inspired, motivated? Does it make you feel relaxed? Does it help you recharge? Does does it bring the best out of you? Does it help you live your best life in times of uncertainty? Yeah. <laughs> you know, do this. So I I bring a lot of emphasis and importance on your home. But uh, you know, um, we are that old expression. You know, we are the product of our environment. Mm-hmm. And uh, what my coach, I remember my coach said to me one day, I was talking to him and he was alive. I said, I can't wait to go home. And he goes, where's home? I said, you know where my home is. You've been there. He goes, that's where you live. Home right. is wherever you are. And if you can learn to be at home with yourself, then uh, life is going to be so much better. However, if, you're, if, you can, if you can make that better, then I think you enjoy where you are even more. Um, and you, you're right. You know, I think sometimes we just don't realize the environment that we're in. There's no place like home. And We talk you know, about you, people, you know, when, it, when I speak about the environment, everyone's talking about changing um, the immediate crowd that we are interacting with, looking into, everyone's talking in the, in the beginning of their mindful journey, the change, to look at the people you are friends with to choose those five people that you communicate into, what you can learn from them, how do they inspire you. But no one talks about the physical. The, the, those are human beings. And I think the element of interior design and your home and how you how you make your space to be is equally important. I agree, 100%. Mm. So just to kind of... Um, I, I, could, I could talk to you for ages, Pete, as you probably gathered. But... Um, now people have heard this podcast, heard your invaluable tips. 
you, you know, someone spoken to the coach, you had that inspiration conversation, you got all fired up, you, you've got the inspiration, motivation to make that change. So you go out there, you make the change, you make those steps, you today, tomorrow, maybe for, for the week, for, for another month, and then the results are not showing. Or maybe the opposite, the results come too easily and you lose the appreciation for it. So what are the steps to take in order to stay inspired? Well, I definitely think having a coach is, 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 is important um, or a mentor. But also practice, you know, the, the, this is that the non-negotiables that it that seems to take, the, the, the practice of daily rituals. Um, you talk about when you're not getting the results that you want. Most people with things that are meaningful, you don't often see the results, but there's this law of compounding, the law of aggregating. If I said, look, I'll give you five million pounds in cash right now, or I'll give you one penny a day and I'll double it every day, which one do you want? Most people would go, well, give me the five million. Or someone say, give me the 1P and double it every day. It's like, well, hang on. Okay, let's do it for 28 days. That's what that's a month, isn't it? No, make sure it's 31 because 31 days would be close to 11 million. Yet you wouldn't actually see after a couple of weeks, you wouldn't have much. So it's that ongoing pursuit of something, especially when you don't feel like it. But accountability is so important. And when you look at anyone who's had great success, they've never done it on their own. You know, um, and they've always done it by people around them that have often supported them. It takes an hour. What you said, my advice would be listen to the, listen, well, you've listened to the, what's your biggest takeaway? Go to Natalia, leave a message, tell her somewhere, this was my biggest takeaway. This is what I'm going to do on the back of this. And if that's what you're going to do, after a couple of days or a week, you probably won't feel like it. That is the time to double down. That's when the great work is done, when we don't feel like doing it. It's the greatest reward. When we feel we're plateauing, that's the time to keep going. But in a world that is obsessed with quick, quick fixes, get rich quick, do this in a minute, that doesn't really happen with anything that is achieved of greatness and significance. It's what's been done over an extended period of time. And it's whether you want to invest the time into your greatest investment, your greatest asset, your greatest product, which is you. Beautiful. And it would mean the world to me, the feedback and what people taking away from it. So thank you for mentioning that. And I think... Um, well, I'm going to ask everyone who listens to this podcast, I'm going to tell everyone about it who follows me. And then I'm going to tell them, make sure if you want to do something for me in return, go to Natalia and tell her what was your biggest takeaway? Because you know what I love about you also is your podcast. You, I haven't met too many people that talk about their podcast in the way that you do. I've never heard, I don't think I've anyone heard talk about it in the way that you do, actually. Like it's your baby. It's very precious to you. It's very important. You care about your listeners in a way, like I say, I've not heard anyone talk about their listeners in the way that you do. Oh, thank you. Well, that's okay. I, I, that's just very, very evident. And it's also helped me because I love my podcast. Here's my mug with my my podcast on it. That's I've right. been giving it for five and a half years. And you've given me a, 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 a breath of fresh air around it. Is there anyone that listens to it? I mean, wow, thank you. You've listened oh, to us no. talk for however long this podcast is. Thank you. Thank you. But what have Absolutely. you taken away from it? Absolutely. It's um it's it's the that desire, the vision when it's backs backs backed up by inspiration and service, isn't it? That's when you care, when the element of service comes into play. And that's why I wanted to bring you into my podcast and equally my listeners to go and check you out. And I'm gonna post the link when this episode comes out to all your um, contacts on LinkedIn, on Instagram, to your podcast, to your books, because I think it's important to have the coach, but to have the right coach, the coach that you can truly connect with, the coach that can challenge you. You can challenge them. Why not? Yeah. To create this beautiful synergy that comes out of it, which is called life. And um, I think it's Maya Angelou who said, if you're always trying to be normal you will never know how amazing you can be and by yeah. normal i think that is just staying with that within that comfort zone let's get out of that comfort zone i went let, live on clubhouse <laughs> yeah well let, let, let's let's create a new normal um right. you know if you want and you know the last thing i'm going to say around what you said about being inspired um if you google me one of the first things you're going to see is motivational speaker 
Now, motivation, I think, is, is, is a word, but I think there's a significance for me in motivation and inspiration. Motivation is what's moving me away from where I am. Inspiration is what's driving me forwards. Inspire, to breathe life into something. And I am breathing life into this. I'm breathing life into what I'm saying. I'm breathing life into the people that are listening. And I want you, the listener, if you want, to breathe life into who you are and where you're going. Because ultimately, you're not going backwards. The past is over. What exists is your future. Maybe you need to reframe your past. Maybe you need some help with your past. But ultimately, there's only one place we're going, and that is forwards. You know, that's the future. It's forwards. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I want everyone right now to go out and live their best life in the world of uncertainty. Five, four, four three, three, two, two one. one, go. Let's do it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beehive Household Podcast. Please don't forget to like, leave your review and share with your friends and family. For more information on the design services we offer, visit our website www.natalialloydinteriors.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook under Natalia Lloyd Interiors as well as on LinkedIn. Bye now till the next episode. Look after yourselves and your loved ones.